0: talking baseball Klazuski, Campanella talking
1: baseball The man and Bobby Feller The scooter, the barber and the nuke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially with
0: Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast, where a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nick, and joined with me for a second straight week is Slammin' Sammy Norland. Sam, how you doing, buddy?
1: Not too bad. Uh, enjoying my Memorial Day weekend. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, same here, except I'm not, because I'm just studying for the bar exam all weekend. But that's okay. This is this is like my break to do something fun, so we're going to have some fun talking about this stuff. Well, there you go. get away from that stuff. So it is episode 10, and I think um, in that fashion, we're going to steal from Sesame Street a little bit. And this episode goes out to not only Ron Santo but Yohan Mancata who both sported the number 10. I think we should do this every week. Really, to
1: add here. Yeah, you get pr- pretty creative uh, all, all the way up, obviously, too. In the 80s and 90s or whatever. But yeah, uh, kind of Ron Santo. that's my uh, handles on social platforms um at least uh twitter and instagram uh, scn 1410 so the 14s for ernie banks and the 10s for ron santo just because my dad and grandpa would tell me all sorts of stories growing up about those guys so uh episode 10 I'm I'm down I, I wore number 10 growing up playing baseball because of ron santo and my dad and grandpa as well so uh this, I'm I'm glad that I was able to uh that you had me in to co-host this uh, 10th episode this week
0: yeah perfect i always wore 14 actually but not because of ernie banks it was actually for Bob Cousy in basketball because my uh, <laughs> my base basketball team was the Celtics growing up. So there you go, that makes sense. It worked out. Um, so we're gonna start how we always do. We're gonna do a uh, recap of the week, and we'll start with you, Sam. Cubs, not a great week for him. I mean, Sox, not a great week either. But take it away, man.
1: Yeah. So I incorrectly included the previous Sunday's game on lap last episode um, that you and Nick nick phillips had already covered so instead of going uh three and three or four and three it was just one less than that um however we recorded last week during the kyle hendricks no-hitter that wasn't um and that game ended 6-5 uh in the cubs favor so i i technically can count that this week um the next day monday was a 5-4 loss to the phillies at home and jake arietta's return to wrigley field he got an absolutely awesome standing ovation uh, in which he kind of took off his helmet and saluted the crowd uh, in his first at-bat back at Wrigley uh, in a game that featured some late lean changes and a Little League home run. But uh, ultimately, um, J.T. Real home run in the 10th sealed it for the Phillies. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, the Cubs won a pitcher's battle 3-2 against the Phillies um, behind a two-run uh, ninth-inning rally in which hobbling Javi Baez, uh, Walked it off with an opposite field hit to uh, put it put the Cubs at technically two and one on the week. Um, Wednesday, an eight four win against the Phillies featured an Albert Almora grand slam. Um, I'll kind of get into it later, but he he he's uh, had a bit of a power surge recently, which is good to see. Uh, every damn day, as we say uh, in the let me be frank group with Albert, and it's nice that he's picking it up a bit. Uh, Thursday was a nine seven loss in John Lester's. Uh, Second consecutive kind of shaky start um, to drop the Cubs to 3-2 and two on the week. Friday, another loss, this time to the Reds at Wrigley, um, in which Steve Cshek gave up a two-run home run to A.U. Henio Suarez in the ninth. Um, uh, fortunately, Saturday, the Cubs came back uh, in a game that featured six home runs total. Um, Addison Russell kind of had his best game back um, in his – return and hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch his stride a bit, made a nice defensive player to at second base uh, in an eight, six win. And then today's game or yesterday's, if you're listening on Monday uh, was just absolutely terrible. A 10 2 loss behind a shaky start from Jose Quintana. The bullpen wasn't much better. Um, and then we'll again, get into this later, but a game in that Chris Bryant and Jason Hayward collided and Chris Bryant ended up leaving to drop the, uh, cubs to technically 500 on the week or if we're not counting sunday's game three and four so as you mentioned not the best week for the cubs
0: yeah I was at uh monday through friday's game and the moment that stood out the most obviously being jake urieta getting that standing ovation which was pretty awesome also awesome that you darvish damn near walked all the way to second base to give the crowd enough time to get loud enough which is which is very cool considering that Losing Jake meant getting you, so it's kind of like you trade, kind of like you traded one for the other. So I thought that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, that that that, that big storyline and the fact that they were both obviously able to show respect to each other was really neat to see. And uh, I'd be lying, I I didn't well up and cry or anything, but I, I'd be lying if I if my heart cut and wasn't pounding. I wasn't emotional about that because obviously, the the what Jake Arrieta means to Cubs fans and forever will forever mean to Cubs fans and in the most dominant second half arguably in baseball history uh, in 2015 is something that no Cubs fan will ever forget.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a big Jake fan. His last game uh, was a playoff game against the Dodgers, and right when they took him out, he came up to me. I was working the game, and he asked me, he's like, hey, can I have like – a handful of baseballs and he had a towel in front of him. So, I, like I so I put a bunch of baseballs in his and he tied it up and put it over his shoulder and kind of walked away. And that's like right the moment I knew I was like, he's not coming back. And that was that was the gut punch. It's so, to see him yeah. come, come back and get the cheers is
1: great. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you know, before pretty much, pretty much anybody else did. So, that, that was pretty neat, but obviously not so neat in the fact that he knew that he may be uh, headed out of town.
0: Yeah. And during the Philly series, kind of a side note, the Fans were especially brutal to Bryce Harper all week. And I, for one, don't understand it. Like, do you, can you like fathom why they were brutal, like all game, just booing him constantly? The classic Bryce has lies chance and just mercilessly. Booing. He was never going to be a Cub unless you were looking at the news two years ago when all those rumors were flying.
1: Yeah, exactly. And just like the whole Bryce Harper free agency thing, first off, it was always going to be a Yankee. Yankees fans are totally certain that he's going to become a Yankee, and then oh, he's going to be a Cub, and then for a few weeks, oh, maybe maybe he'll be a White Sox. But he obviously didn't end up in any of those places, so you can't really <laughs> trust what you hear, especially speculating weeks and months out of the actual decision. So yeah, that's something that I don't really understand either. But yeah, it's a,
0: he, he's batting like two twenty five, yeah. so it's like it's not even like you're missing out yeah. on anything. You're getting Jason Hayward numbers,
1: yeah, yeah. and Hayward. Other than his kind of recent scuttle, had performed outperformed Bryce for much of the year.
0: Yeah, and actually in one of those games, I think it was it was Monday's game. Bryce threw someone out at home play, threw Rizzo out at home plate from right field, which was something you'd expect Hayward to do. I mean, I, I, Harper's a great fielder too, but it, it looked like Hayward out there. So I feel like that's a good player comp at this moment in time, anyway. Not to say that they're equal players because Bryce Harper's power numbers are going to surge and his batting average will go up. So I, I just thought it was a nice little interesting comparison.
1: Yeah, but that, that series split, 2-2, uh, gave us a... Uh, there, there's no really real sense in talking about, oh, if the playoffs started today scenarios, but there's a pretty likely scenario in which the Cubs and Phillies could uh, end up playing each other again.
0: Yeah, I could see it. I, uh, I still have the Braves in that division, but, mm-hmm. I mean, Phillies pitching, if they pitch the way they did uh, against the Cubs, I mean, I think it was... Uh, Eflin was really good, mm-hmm. Nola at least started off pretty good. So we'll see how it goes. Um, We'll do a White Sox recap now. Another tough week for the White Sox. They went two and five, leaving the overall record to 23 and 29, which I think is still third place in the central. So that kind of puts things in perspective. Um, Monday was a 3-0 loss. It was a bullpen game. So they just, I don't think any pitcher pitched uh, longer than two innings. Uh, To only give up three runs is not too bad, but I mean, you got to score. They didn't. they got shut down pretty much. So uh, they were playing Houston. Uh, Tuesday, a 5-1 loss. Dylan Covey, uh, four fours are wild. Four innings pitched, four hits, four earned runs. Um, that's not horrible for Covey, but as Bovard has uh, said on a number of occasions, he's a uh, quadruple-A starting pitcher, or he's like <laughs> a seventh pitcher in a rotation. And that, nothing he's done recently is... Uh, going to make me disagree with him on that one. Uh, they got the win Wednesday in a wild game. Um, the human enigma that is Ivanova, again, with a great start, followed before having a horrible start. So I just don't know what to think of this guy. Seven innings pitched, three earned runs. Charlie Tilson, new stand-up, hits his first career home run, and it is a grand slam, much like Taylor Davis uh, three or four weeks ago. And the White Sox had a triple play, which is not actually the weirdest thing, because recently the White Sox had a lot of triple plays. I think they've had four since 2016. This was the 719th triple play in MLB history. The last one for the Cubs coming in 1997. So I think the White Sox have like six or seven within that span, which I think is pretty wild. Wow. Um, Yeah, so it was a good outing against Houston. uh, And they got some interesting... I can't even imagine the last game in which a grand slam and a triple play occurred, but this is, this was a special one and to do it, uh, against Houston's is, uh, it's a pretty nice little feat too.
1: Well, it, it right. would be re- remiss to, uh, mention that, uh, Houston in 2005, Bovard would get, would get all over us. So, uh, that he he had some sort of tweeter blog or whatever that mentioned, uh, it, Houston and the Sox rivalry or whatever that, uh, I, I just had to throw in there a bit.
0: Oh yeah, the uh, that's it, true. I, I forgot to mention this. This uh, this series is the the World Series matchup, and you don't often see World Series matchups with teams that are now in the same league together. So
1: exactly. that's
0: that's uh, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, Thursday game of the week for sure. Uh, Lucas Giolito nine innings pitched, four hits, nine Ks in a four nothing win against Houston. Giolito gets his first complete game shutout. And his ERA is now at a meager 2.77. He's 6-1. and one. So on only 107 pitches. And just watching some of the game recaps and some of his pitches, his slider is right now as nasty as they come. And to make the comparison, it's like Mark Pryor levels of filthy. I'm going to go that Oh, way. man.
1: Uh-oh. With, with the injury route. bug, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and he – well, here's the thing. He doesn't have – he has about a third of the of the calf size that, uh, uh, that Pryor had, so I think he'll be okay. Um, but it, best performance of G- Giolito's career that I can recall, of course, big-time White Sox fans might disagree. There might be another one I'm forgetting, but – You can't argue with the numbers here. Uh, Friday, now the Twins come to town. The Twins actually end up sweeping the White Sox. Something that the Twins have been doing to a lot of people lately is winning a bunch of games and scoring a lot of runs. Uh, Friday, 11-4 loss. Uh, Our player of the week, my player of the week last year, I wanted to say was Ronaldo Lopez, and he went 3.2 innings and gave up eight earned runs, proving once and for all that he is, in fact, not back. Uh, Saturday... 8-1 loss. Manny Benuelos comes back, so no need for the bullpen start anymore. Four innings pitched, five earned. Not horrible, but if you only score one run, as we're saying, you're just not going to win the game. And then Sunday, today's game, if you're listening, it'll be yesterday's game. Uh, 7-0 loss. Dylan Covey, six innings pitched, four earned. Again, not horrible, but not great. Jake Odorizzi had a... uh, a gem of a Sarton, only five and a third. He had nine Ks. So nine of the potential, you know, 16 outs were strikeouts and the bullpen took care of the rest for the sweep. So Sox again, two and five on the week, 23 and 29. Third in the central, it's kind of looking monotonous at this point for the White Sox, just Week after week, we haven't really seen like a. We need like a six or seven game win streak to get super excited again. I feel like, but just the schedule and the way the inconsistency at the starting pitching it's just not seeming like that's a sustainable thing to be going that to be happening.
1: Yeah, and I I'd agree with the uh, baseball is kind of just, just for whatever reason it's it's the time of year obviously where kind of the hot starts are have have worn off and maybe guys that have been slumping are kind of picking the bats up a bit as, uh, in Joey Votto in the Cubs series, I think he came in hitting like 208 and now he's over 230. And, uh, the, the Cubs after their insane win streak of a few weeks ago and last month, uh, have come back to earth. And then the White Sox have kind of settled in as a, uh, as the third best team in the central, which, which for them is relatively impressive, uh, given all the injuries that they're dealing with and, uh, what what just kind of the makeup of the al central which nobody saw the twins kind of at least I didn't maybe maybe the pagoda geniuses uh predicted that the twins may have, may have been doing this well but uh uh not not the best week for either Chicago team to kind of wrap that up
0: yeah you said pagoda geniuses but I didn't see any air quotes there so I'm a little concerned but I like <laughs> what you men- I like what you mentioned about the uh, the hot starts fading um mariners prime example of that started at thirteen and two and have gone at 10 and 30 since, which is devastatingly bad. The A's who were a really good team last year started off pretty horrible and they've won, I think nine in a row now, and they've got some really stud pitching. So water always finds its level as our good friend, Jim Fisher has, or Jeff, not Jim Fisher, Jeff Fisher has taught us on many occasions.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, and the Mariners are still hitting all sorts of home runs, but uh, obviously that hasn't translated to W's in the wind column.
0: Yeah, the the pitching is not as crafty as they imagined it being. Okay, so we are going to move on to the big stories of the week, and I'll start uh, with the White Sox big story. Lucas Giolito is a legit AL Cy Young candidate, and I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that he will end top five by the end of the year. Right now, how they're ranked, usually it's a combination of WIP and ERA. Right now, Justin Verlander, obviously running away with it. 8-1 and one with a .73 whip and a 2.24, which makes me continue to think that the Houston Astros are somehow cheating because they are getting these miraculous Turn performances around. of guys who have been just raised from the dead. Um, Odorizzi, who we just mentioned, having a great season so far. 1.06 whip, two point three eighty ERA. Then there's a l- list of... I won't say nobodies, but guys that I just don't think that can sustain. 30 of Frankie Montes from from Oakland, Charlie Morton from Tampa, who former uh, Houston Astros possible cheater, so you never know. Um, Mike Miner, who's up there in age, uh, Texas pitcher, Domingo German, Spencer Turnbull, and coming in at eighth is Lucas Giolito with a whip of 1.06 and an ERA of 2.77. Before this previous start, I wasn't going to say that Giolito was a legit Cy Young candidate, but the way he dominated a really good Houston Astros team, there's an argument to be made that if he continues that success, that'll be something to get White Sox fans really excited about in the same ways that Chris Sale did years past when the team wasn't that great either and chris sale currently is not i I gotta scroll all the way down on this list he's 26th he's got the whip of 1.06 but he's his era is at 4.19 which is a lot lower than it was before but that horrible start is going to hurt him uh going forward
1: yeah well and the only thing that i'll say you you did a good job wrapping that up is that unlike chris sale they've just got to keep hold of him and they they definitely will not that uh, they're not going to flip him for a piece here or there because he's proven himself to be an ace and hopefully will be a uh, a rock-solid guy on the south side for years and years to come.
0: Yeah, and also I think they've learned their lesson. They're going to check with the starting pitchers of what jerseys they'd like to wear before <laughs> uh, forcing them to, to wear the, the hideous throwbacks that eventually get cut up. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's going on with the Cubs, Sam? I know there's a couple big stories we wanted to talk about with them.
1: All right, so you've got one, but the big one for me that may may not end up being all that big is uh, in today's drubbing or yesterday now, on Monday of the uh, of the of the Cubs that the Reds managed to do. Chris Bryan and Jason Hayward collided in the outfield, and it didn't look all that bad in real time. They were moving relatively quickly, but then the relay, the, but then the replays happened, and again on the replay, and I don't know, maybe you. May have seen something different, but it also didn't. It didn't look all that bad. But Chris Bryant, whether it was a head thing, whether it was a shoulder thing, like came up flustered, and that obviously would have sent chills down millions of people's spines uh, that are Cubs fans. And he came out of the game. Um, however, since then, uh, he has been cleared to travel with the Cubs to go play those Houston Astros. Um, that hopefully the White Sox could have buttered up for him uh, earlier this week. But uh, again. We, we don't need another injury to Chris Bryant. Um, and it was, it's good now that it may not be as major as one may have thought. So uh, I'll, I'll let you get into your major story as well.
0: Well, yeah, I just want yeah. to comment on that too, is after looking at the replay, it looked like a professional wrestling sell of like a clothesline. <laughs> like it didn't even look like any contact was made. It just kind of looked like he was expecting right. to go down and went down. Like it, it looked kind of like a, like a botched yeah. wrestling move, but when they took him out of the game, I was like, what actually just happened? Yeah. So I, I'm not to say that I'm concerned, but I mean, it stinks because he's just getting hot right now. Yeah, Like he's, I think he's like at the apex of officially being like back to his MVP form. almost. Yeah. Well, he, he just he keeps had it three or
1: four multi-hit games this past week too.
0: Right. And just, I mean, the home runs he's been hitting, um, they're not just sneaking over the fence either. They're getting way deep into the, uh, into the stands. So, um, you know, we hope he, we hope he, uh, is good to go. Cause last year was, was no fun when he wasn't playing. Uh, yeah. And my Cubs big story, it kind of like, we've talked about this at length, but man, the bullpen, did they blow what? Three, three leads this week, um, in late inning situations in which the Cubs were, supposed to win those games and it's it's starting to look like that is the that is the mean that we should expect unless something happens right because they started off so poorly and we thought okay that's a fluke and then they got their act together for a good three and a half four weeks and then they're back to really struggling again at the end of the game to close out those wins so It's not like the beginning of the season was a fluke. If it happens again, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's a disturbing pattern. And the only thing I'll say about it is it's it's not the uh, most reassuring. If Tyler Chatwood is the guy who you have the most faith in, (laughs) he came in and he closed out uh, Saturday's game, the eight six win. He put a couple guys on, but then got a double play, I think, and then a pop out to uh, end the game. But and he, I I I don't want to. He's been much better this year, and has done wonderful and long relief. But if he's the guy that we're trotting out there in these high leverage situations, because nobody, because Tishek blew a save, Carl Edwards gave up runs today and not a meaningful game or anything, but yeah, the, it, it's a disturbing trend.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to push back on you a little bit. I'm actually pretty okay seeing Tyler Chatwood in those high leverage situations. He's one of the few guys besides Norwood who they just brought up who's consistently hitting 96, 97 miles an hour. And if you look at the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings that come before that, none of the guys are really hitting that. So it'll be a nice change of pace, not to mention that Chatwood's a sinker ball pitcher. If he's not walking, guys, I'm okay with it. And to be honest, he's been the only guy who hasn't blown a game yet. That's a good point. I'm going to say until a better option, cough, Craig Kimbrell (laughs) comes around. I want Chatwood in the high leverage either if it's a scary eighth inning or um, with the middle of the lineup or or the ninth inning with the lead until I'm proven otherwise.
1: Yeah, well, and and the, a thing I, I will concede is that he's probably got better stuff than really anybody that the Cubs could walk out there right now. And you, you, you don't often see a guy who's been able to transition from a starter role to a long relief or, or a high leverage bullpen role as kind of, not necessarily as seamlessly as he has, but uh, as long as he can command his pitches, I think he's an absolutely awesome option to have there, and the Cubs are lucky to have him.
0: The nastiest pitcher they have is Dylan Maples, and they don't give him a very long leash, I feel like, or at least not long enough. They don't trust him enough yet, but I think once they actually give him a shot, let him mess up a couple times and let him figure out his stuff, he's going to be the most nasty pitcher in the NL Central, in my opinion, with that slider.
1: Oh, yeah, that that's that, that's quite the take. We'll have to see how that comes to fruition, but I, I, I'm i obviously hoping that happens.
0: Definitely. Okay, we're going to move on. Uh, who is your player of the week for the Cubs in this uh, this tough week, Sam?
1: Um, this one should be relatively obviously obvious, but uh, I've got Anthony Rizzo. He's riding an eight-game hit streak in which he has one hit, three hits, one hit, one hit, four hits, two hits, one hit, and two hits. He's got four home runs on the week, uh, my favorite of which was the 473 foot bomb that uh, broke the uh, D, I think, on the on the Budweiser scoreboard way out in right field, and uh, something that's pretty exciting. He went uh, opposite field today <laughs> or Sunday. So, oh, and th- this is more than the past week, but over his last 100 plate appearances, so about 21 games, um, he's hit nine home runs. Uh, he's drawn nine walks. Uh, he's gotten hit by a pitch five times, and a slash line is 341, 430, and uh, 1148. So, by far, far and away, Anthony Rizzo is my Cubs player of the week.
0: So, we should honestly consider doing some sort of like Truman Show mind game with him and just get rid of the fact that the month of April exists and anything he sees, anything he does, April doesn't exist. Just call it May. May goes for 60, 60 days.
1: Right. Yeah. It's. Every single year, and he catches fire, but maybe not as hot as this does. But it's awesome to see him catch fire. But I, we could definitely do without the 180 and the 200 Aprils. I, I agree with that. <laughs> Amend the calendar, maybe.
0: Oh yeah, we'll have to call the Pope. Okay, um, White Sox player of the week. This is a no-brainer, Lucas Gilito, Uh My my Cy Young pick for the AL. No, I'm just kidding. But possibly my top five Cy Young uh, candidate for the AL. Uh, I mentioned his stats before, but the complete game shutout on 107 pitches leaves him at 6-1 and one with 277. You wish that the schedule worked out so he could start twice a week so that the Sox have a chance at minimum two wins. But uh, that is not the case. But uh, tip the cap to Lucas Giolito, and here's to it continuing because the Sox fans need something to get super excited about.
1: Exactly. There you go.
0: Okay. Definitely. Okay. So we're going to go to my favorite part of the show, the LinkedIn player profile, where we will discuss a former Cubs and former White Sox player you may have forgot about using mostly their LinkedIn and if if necessary, their Wikipedia to see what they're up to now. Sam, who you got this week for the Cubs?
1: Alrighty, For the second consecutive week, I'm leaning a little more on Wikipedia Uh, Then I have LinkedIn, unfortunately, um, kind of bucking the name of the segment, but uh, one of my all-time favorite Cubs players um, and a 2000 national champion at LSU, shortstop, second baseman, speaking of going opposite field, Ryan Terrio. Um, I've got a You Can't Quiet the Riot t-shirt that I got off a Cubs vendor, like a T-shirt sales guy, probably when I was in seventh grade, and legitimately it might be my most worn T-shirt that I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> I love that thing. I absolutely loved cheering for Ryan Terrio. Um, his LinkedIn is pretty much bare. Uh, it, his name is all in lowercase letters. Uh, he um, has his. He has an I don't know if it's primary. He has an AOL address linked on his LinkedIn. And it says he's the owner of R and R Properties in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So uh, no profile picture either, but uh, I I knew it had to be him. Um, And kind of just going through his career, he made his debut for the Cubs in 2005, a game that my grandma will still talk about. Um, She, I kind of a lot of my Cubs influence has come from my father and my grandpa, but my grandma, my kind of love for Ryan Terrio came from her. And he was with the Cubs from 2005 to 2010, um, got traded uh, along with Ted Lilly to the Dodgers in that 2010 season, and then played for the Cardinals and Giants in 2011 and 2012, respectively, uh, winning World Series with both of those teams. Uh, his season with the Cardinals uh, featured a 20-game hit streak. Um, and as I mentioned, the World Series is I, I, I'm struggling to think of a player, and I'm sure it's been done before, but uh, a guy who won – two World Series with two different teams in the last two years of his career. Because I know, obviously, Ben Zobrist, happy 38th birthday, Ben Zobrist. uh, Hope that he's dealing with whatever he's got to deal with at home. But he won with the Royals and then won with the Cubs, but he's obviously still playing, so that's not the last two years of his career. So uh, if you you have any thoughts and fun anecdotes, I I don't want you to ruin my childhood by telling me a bad story about Ryan Terrio, but uh, uh, what are your thoughts on him?
0: I'm going to do it anyway, Sam, I'm going to be honest with you. First oh, of all, when you, when you started this segment, I was really going to be upset that you took Mike Fontenot away from me, my all-time favorite Ah, <laughs> <Cubs. laughs> There you go. But we're good. We're good on that uh, account. But I will say this. When St. Louis Media was talking to Ryan Terrio upon him getting signed, they asked him about uh, what how he feels about playing in St. Louis, and he said, I am finally on the right side of the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry. Now I don't recall Dexter Fowler saying anything like that. So I'm just, I'm just going to throw that your way and I could already see the look in your face is a little bit, uh, yeah. upset.
1: Yeah. that These past couple of weeks, I'm not really known to think, uh, it, it will still pr- proudly wear my, you can't quite the riot t-shirt. And, uh, hopefully for whatever reason, may, may, maybe end up forgetting that. But, uh, he, he's also been known to speak out on, in Twitter and in local media down in Louisiana or whatever, by saying that, uh, uh GMs should be former players and like the stat cash revolution and everything is a bunch of hogwash. And then guys will like re- rebuke him basically by saying, Hey, when you won your series with the giants, uh, GM wasn't a former player, a guy, a guy who embraced data and being out in Silicon Valley. So he's kind of had to eat, eat his words on a few things, but that that kind of fiery edge of him is, uh, why I liked him so much when he was for the Cubs. So I'm, uh, uh, again, disappointed, but it, it, I won't let that cloud my judgment of him too much. I, I, I actually think that I remember hearing that soundbite and was very disappointed when that actually happened. But uh, uh, I'm still a Ryan Terrio guy.
0: I think he just wants former players to be GMs because he needs a job. Clearly, his LinkedIn is so bare; he might need something to do.
1: Right? Exactly. Yeah, he's work. I, I thought I, from following him on Twitter, he might have been helping at some like athletic facility or whatever, but I, I, I think he, he may have just been hoping for a, a job in a front office somewhere, as he said.
0: I don't know if you remember this guy. He was a member of the 05 White Sox, not the most memorable, but hardcore White Sox fans will remember Chris Widger, the backup catcher. Unlike Ryan Terrio, Chris Widger's LinkedIn has every single place that he's played, oh, every man. position – where he went to college, what he studied in college. So we're gonna go through all that. So he went to George Mason University in Virginia, and he was a health and physical education um, major from 90 to 92. So I don't think he graduated, I'm not sure. He came up with the Mariners as a catcher for four years and seven months, because that's what LinkedIn does. It tells you exactly how long someone's worked there. (laughs) Um, in 1992 to 96, then he was traded to the uh, Mon- or not trade. He ended up on the Montreal Expos from 96 to 2000, where he was like an everyday player. Saddest part about this, looking at his LinkedIn, is the Montreal Expos are the only team in his list that doesn't have a logo because, well, you know, they're not a yeah. team. Anyway. Um, then he went back to Seattle from 2000 to 2001 to the Yankees, 2002 to 2003, Cardinals, 2003 to 2004. Looked like his career was over, right? He's a player for the Camden River Sharks for three months, uh, from 2004, July 2004 to September 2004. Then all of a sudden, yours, mine, our Chicago White Sox bring him in February 2005 to August 2006, where he gets his World Series championship. Later uh, next year, ends up with the Baltimore Orioles and out of baseball, so he had a nice little 10-year career. Then after that, he became a pitching coach for those same Camden River Sharks, which I found super interesting because he's a catcher. And I would think that more catchers would be pitching coaches. You just never see it, yeah. which I think is super interesting. Um, then he was so good at that that they made him the manager of the Camden River Hawks or River Hawks, River Sharks uh, from, for one year and one month. So he was with them for three years total, must have not been a great manager. Uh, then he became the owner of FBI baseball fundamental, Baseball Incorporated. That's what he's been doing (laughs) for the past eight years. So you got to love the fundamentals. And that's why we love Chris Widger. And now he's currently on the dark side. He is working for the Kansas City Royals as as a consultant, as well as the top of it says that he's the manager of the Burlington Royals Rookie League affiliate. So a very well-kept LinkedIn, I will say. He's also endorsed by eight people for public speaking. So and uh, Tom Newberg, whoever the hell that is, says he's highly skilled at this. So apparently he's speaking around, too.
1: There you go. Well, guys like this are exactly why, what, what we had in mind when uh, uh, you, you hatched the LinkedIn player profile segment. So I, I'm glad that even though I've kind of leaned too heavily on Wikipedia these past weeks, that, you, that, that you've found a goldmine of information on LinkedIn.
0: That is our show. As we always do, I'm going to ask Sam a question that he has not heard before. He's going to give me an answer right off the cuff, and that will close it out. So, my question for you this week, Sam, is: and This this might be a little little tough too. Oh man! What player did you assume was using steroids that never got called out for it?
1: Man, really going back in the rolodex here. Did did Fred McGriff ever get mentioned in anything or popped for anything?
0: I don't remember. That sounds like he, it sounds like he would, right?
1: Right. Yeah. That, that, that for whatever reason, that's the first name that came to mind. I, that, I, I won't lie and say that I've got a half dozen guys popping around in my head, but uh, for whatever reason, I just thought of Fred McGriff and I, I I don't think that he has, but it, I guess it wouldn't have surprised me to find something like that out. So, Fred McGriff, final answer.
0: All right, yeah. See, I'm not like, this isn't meant to be a negative thing. I don't care about the steroid thing. But mine was always Nomar garcia Parra, okay. And that has a lot more to do with the types of injuries that he got more than anything else. I mean, he uh, he was huge. That was one thing. But he had like groin implosions. It wasn't even like groin tears and he had like all these weird injuries. And you're like, there's no way that like your muscles are just exploding and nothing's happening. So that was my thought. And currently that's gotta be Eric Thames just cause he's so freaking oh, there's just no way. Like imagine him playing ball in Korea.
1: Yeah. Well, and he, he, he maybe is doing some yeah. traditional Eastern medicine remedies for whatever that are either muscle rubs or some root or whatever that, the MLB has no idea to test for. So that, that's a very real possibility.
0: That is episode 10 of the shoeless goat podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes. You could also listen to us at lmbfsports.com. Sam, thank you so much for filling in again for Pat over I think he'll be back next week, but we always love having you on. And, uh, hope we can do it again sometime soon
1: appreciate it yeah good to have some diversity of opinion back at back in there
0: definitely okay go cubs go white Sox. everyone have a great weekend a great memorial take care everyone